Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call, plus 44-1273-733-433. Or you can fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk. Contact at slash contact. Alternatively, um, you can talk to either Scott or Sean because they have a live chat function on the website. They'd be more than happy to help. Now, today I'm joined by Scott Brinker, VP Platform Ecosystem of HubSpot and blogger for Chief Marketing Technologist. Scott, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, very, very well. Nice to speak to you again, because you were last on the show, if I'm not mistaken. I've done my research here. It's back in uh, January 2016, no, 2014, so about four years ago. So it's been a while. Yeah, well, I'm excited. You I, Apparently, I didn't mess that up badly enough because you've invited me back. So thank you. <laughs> no, no, it was fine. I mean, the, the, the conversation was three hours, but when we've edited it down to about, you know, 20 minutes, it was fine. <laughs> no, you if, were fine. If my wife could do that for me, she'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I seem to believe you had a very interesting conversation back then about um, sort of agile in marketing. And we'll sort of, we won't exactly talk about agile, but we'll, we'll have some sort of um, progressive um, discussions about marketing in a second. But first, uh, just remind everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do, Scott. Sure. So I live at the intersection of marketing and technology as two disciplines. Uh, I've been writing that blog, uh, Chief Marketing Technologist or ChiefMartech.com for 10 years now. Yeah. Uh, also uh, the program chair of the MarTech Conference. And then last year, I sold my company, Ion Interactive, and I've since joined HubSpot, uh, digital marketing uh, sales platform as their VP platform ecosystem. So helping HubSpot do a better job of uh, partner and work with all these other cool marketing technology companies out there. Now, you work in a very interesting area because, as you say, you're in this um – I was going to use the word hinterland, but I'm not. It sounds a bit Germanic. This 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 uh, this area between technology and, and and marketing, which I think is quite a big area. But what's been happening recently? Because we talked about it last time. You, you know, we talked about agile in in marketing last time. But what's I mean the ever expanding marketing technology landscape? What's been happening since 2014 when we last spoke? 
Oh, wow. It is. If it was once the hinterland, uh, like, yeah, now it is a bustling metropolis. So I've been working at the intersection of two disciplines, marketing and technology, uh, for a while now. I started that blog, Chief Marketing Technologist or chiefmartech.com back in 2008. So I've been at that for about 10 years. Uh, and then uh, last year, I sold the MarTech company I was running, uh, Ion Interactive, and I joined HubSpot, a platform for digital marketing, sales, and service, as their VP of platform ecosystem. Uh, and my mission there is to help HubSpot do a better job of engaging uh, with yeah, all of the other amazing marketing technology vendors out there in the world. Now, I'd quite like to talk about uh, something we actually had a brief discussion about before we hit record, which was the um, democratization of technology, which in marketing, and I mean, to a, to a degree also in general, but mainly in marketing, before we drill down into that, just your definition of, of, of what a, a democratization of technology actually means. Uh, yeah, you know, these days, uh, democratization uh, doesn't always <laughs> imply a fully positive thing. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's been a tough, tough few years on the democracy front. Um, but uh, yeah, the idea of democratization of technology isn't making it political. Uh, it's about being able to give more people greater access to leverage technology in their day-to-day -day work. You know, I mean, a lot of technology, right, for years was always held in the tower of the IT department. If you wanted some new piece of software or some new sort of capability, you, you got a ticket in line with IT and you waited, whether it be weeks or months or years or, you know, moved on to new jobs or whatever, right? Yeah, you waited until you finally got that technology and was very controlled by them. And what's happened here, you know, steadily in so many different ways over the past 10, 20 years is more and more of that technology has been unlocked from the IT department and increasingly given into the hands of business users. Mm. And so in marketing, we've certainly seen this as much as anywhere else. Uh, this is where you have these marketing technology teams and marketing operation teams that live in marketing and actually control a lot of this power and technology. Can you give us a, a couple of examples of, of um, where this is happening? Sure. So, you know, uh, one of the ways in which uh, this movement gets characterized is by the label of citizen technologists. So uh, this idea of like a citizen developer. What, well, what does that mean? OK, if you wanted to build an app. Like 10 years ago, basically, you had to have a software engineer who understood, you know, deep programming languages, Java, you know, how to architect this stuff, and they would build that app for you. Fine, but, you know, not all of us were software engineers, and, uh, you know, getting a software engineer, uh, you know, wasn't always uh, easy, fast, or cheap. Um, but now there are these software tools called low-code or even no-code platforms yeah. that become these drag-and-drop interfaces that allow – frankly, any business user to be able to say, oh, I want to build an app that will do X. And they just be able to, you know, build this thing together, you know, drag and drop in a very visual way, hit publish and boom, you've got an app. And so the label we've, you know, the industry has applied to these people is citizen developers. I mean, they're not professional developers. Uh, they, they, they actually do something else for a living. Yeah. But they now have the power uh, to say, oh, I want to have an app to do this. 
bam, I can make this myself. And that is so incredibly empowering, such a game changer mm. to business technology. And are, are, the, are all these people, are they all marketers or are they general people? Because I remember um, listening to you in a video, I forget when you did it, it was a, a year or two ago, and you were talking about, in fact, I'm pretty sure it was you, you were talking about the things, uh, what, what marketers are actually doing without realizing it is they're being like programmers because they're sort of doing if this happens, then that should happen. And then we go through this flow and then we do that other process. So are these normally marketers that are, do, that are using these, these tools or are they sort of just general people? Yeah. So the, the group of them that I'm most interested in are how marketers are using these tools. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a phenomenon that's limited to marketing. Uh, you know, I mean, we're seeing this with, uh, you know, people in customer service are building customer service apps. Uh, people in HR, you know, are building HR like recruiting apps. I mean, yeah. it's um, yeah, it's a pretty wide ranging change of power to build and manage software in the hands of regular business users. Yeah. And do you think there might be a, a I'm, I'm just trying to think ahead here, is, do you think there might be a danger of sort of losing the human side of marketing with all this sort of like drag and drop and automation? I'm so glad you brought that up. It, um, it is a danger. Um, you know, I was uh, a friend of mine uh, reminded me of the movie Fantasia yeah. uh, with Mickey Mouse as yeah. the sorcerer's apprentice. You know, and he like starts off like, OK, I've got this magic power. OK, I will have, you know, the broom go and fill the bucket of water for me. And wow, isn't that cool? Yeah. Automation. I love it. You know, but then that automation starts to replicate and scale and scale and scale. Next thing you know, you've got like hundreds and hundreds of rooms dumping hundreds and hundreds of buckets of water. And it's a total disaster. And the irony of it is, right, it's it's the same automation. It's just, you know, what works at small scale when you start taking it to the extreme, which in automation is so easy to do and not even realize we're doing it, you know, can have these really negative consequences. So let me give you an example, you know, in marketing with, you know, the way we work with customers yeah. is email nurturing, right? So it used to be if you want to send an email to nurture a set of people in your marketing funnel, a marketer would write that email send that email, you know, and it was a very human, there was a human in the loop on making that happen. But now with some of these automation systems, right, there are AI engines that can automatically generate the right text for these emails. Mm -hmm. You know, they can go into some sort of programmatic loop that says, okay, well, I'll send an email. And if I haven't heard any response in a week, I can send another email. And if I haven't heard any response and so on. And, you know, you, you set this up and, you know, take your hands off the wheel and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. This automation is going to like handle all these contacts for me. But what's happening on the customer side is then without any human actually thinking through it, you know, suddenly customers start getting like bombarded with these like sure. emails that just don't stop. Yeah. And it's a terrible experience and they unsubscribe and they, you know, turn it off. So I think we got to be very, very careful about putting the right sort of governance and oversight uh, for all this automation that we're bringing to marketing. Yeah. Now you you just alluded to something there, which is quite interesting. It was the um, the I'll, I'll call them customers. I mean, some people might call them victims of, of marketing, but we'll we'll go with customers or clients. There's the customer side, their experience, and then there's the the, the marketer side. They're sort of pulling all these levers and doing things to to try and get their brand into the psyche of the various clients. Do you think that this kind of uh, democratization and automation is 
perturbing the balance between the two? I mean, you mentioned that customers were getting a bit annoyed at times because of automation, which we hear about occasionally. I've certainly experienced it. Do you think that situation is getting worse or better? This is where it comes down to how you use it. So if you're using these democratized tools as a way to solve customer pain points, to make things better for customers at different touch points, like you realize, hey, I'm missing this capability where a customer wants to be able to check on a status of something, you know, instead of having to wait for IT to take six months to add that feature, you know, to the website, to have a mechanism where actually, yeah, the marketing team itself can pretty quickly add that feature to the website, right? This, this can be applied, this power can be applied in a way to solve customer pain points and create a better experience. But given the example we just talked about earlier, it can also be used to, yeah, just harass the hell out of, you know, customers or create really bad experiences and get disconnected from that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not against the technology being used. I think there's a lot of potential here for this to make relationships between brands and their audiences better. But it doesn't happen automatically. You have to really, uh, you know, focus on making sure, are we doing this through the eyes of what is going to be a better experience for the customer? Yeah. So for our um, listeners, could you distill maybe two or three top takeaways for them? Well, let's see. If I was going to offer... A couple things that I think everyone in marketing should be thinking about. Uh, So first of all, when it comes to marketing technology, don't get too distracted with shiny objects. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff that keeps coming out uh, every month here. And I mean, you should look at a certain amount of it, right? I mean, we all want to stay current with uh, what these new tools are. But uh, the majority of your focus really should be on a solid foundation, Uh, you know, making sure you have, you know, good customer relationship management, Mm. good marketing automation, a good website. You know, getting those things right uh, is still a huge part of the battle. The fundamentals. Yes. Uh, yeah. That if you don't get those right, all the other you know shiny baubles don't really uh, matter that much. Yeah. And then I think the related to that is, you know, talking about this democratization of the technology. I think there's an opportunity for marketers to really look at how the technology can empower frontline both frontline marketers, but also frontline salespeople, frontline customer service staff, be able to better serve the customer in the moment, Um, you know, that they have access to the data, they have access to the tools to be able to execute um, actions on behalf of the customer, you know, that that is super powerful. And I think that kind of leads me to that final takeaway, which is, um, you know, to avoid that risk of losing the human Uh, the humanity uh, in all this marketing automation is marketers really need to invest in empathy and intuition, uh, you know, with customers, which means getting out from the office, you know, going, spending time with customers face to face, a little bit of that uh, anthropology, you know, of the marketing and just make sure that, you know, we we aren't losing touch uh, with what our audience uh, really finds important and valuable about our brand. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. How can our listeners find out more about you? 
Well, my blog is chiefmartech.com, uh, uh, and I'm also at chiefmartech, uh, without the H on the end, at uh, Twitter. Uh, Scott J. Brinker at LinkedIn, and yeah, feel free to you know reach out to me or yell at me or anything like that on any of those channels. Scott, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks a lot. And thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash ironpodcast. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. If you've got questions or suggestions, you can email podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. We have a site visibility LinkedIn group. Well, that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Scott. Take care. Thanks, Scott. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.